Hello and welcome to the Highway to Health Show. I'm your host, Dr. E, the Stem Cell Guy. In this episode, I am joined by Dane Dormio. Dane is a martial artist and mind-body mastery mentor. Since his first spiritual awakening in 2004, he has dedicated his life to understanding and teaching the principles underlying optimal health and performance. Stick around to learn how he discovered Tai Chi and how it has helped him unlock his true potential. And yes, I know, before you roll your eyes and skip this episode, you should know that even Dane needed more than a single exposure to Tai Chi before he learned its true power. In fact, I had been curious for a while about this, and I had never experienced it until he invited me to take part of his Facebook challenge, which, by the way, we will talk about in this episode and share how you too can join and take the first steps to unlock your own potential. But before we go on to today's episode, let me remind you that this show is a labor of love, which I do in my spare time. My current day job is running a company where we help doctors and other practicing health professionals become better entrepreneurs, allowing them to serve more patients and provide a better life for their families. If you are a health professional or you know of one who deserves to be doing better in business, check out pgformula.com. This episode is sponsored and produced by pocketsinabox.co. I remember when I first launched my podcast, I had been thinking about doing it for years. I had read two books on the subject and signed up for an online course, and I still did not launch that podcast. You see, back then I was running a busy stem cell practice, teaching at a university, and traveling for conferences, so it was hard to find the time to start and maintain a new project like this podcast, which is where Pockets in a Box came in. The team at Pockets in a Box handled everything, and I mean everything that has to do with planning, launching, editing, publishing, and marketing the podcast. Because proper podcasting is not just about buying a microphone and rambling on. There is so much more than that. If you're a busy entrepreneur, solopreneur, or even a wannapreneur looking to build a personal brand to instill trust in your clients so they will want to buy your products or services, but you don't have the time or the desire, really, to learn the technical side of podcasting, Podcasts in a Box might be right for you. To find out more and see if your idea is worthy of a podcast, just head on over to podcastsinabox.co and click on the appropriate button. When prompted, make sure to mention Dr. E's Highway to Health show and the How Did He Hear About Us section. Now, speaking of a podcast production, I want to ask you to please bear with me and my guests in this and a few of the upcoming episodes since they've been recorded during COVID, where, as you very well know, we're both at home, usually on a shared family Wi-Fi, and so, well, there's a few drops in connection here and there. The guys at Podcast in a Box did a great job at salvaging most of the conversation, but there are usually still certain places where there is nothing that can be done to avoid it. I think they're barely noticeable, but I'll let you be the judge of that. In any case, let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Dane Dormio. And remember, you are on the highway to health, and I'm your guide to get you there. Are you ready to live ageless? Want to discover alternative health choices? cutting-edge nutrition, and fitness for the entire family? Welcome to Highway to Health Show with your host, Dr. E, the stem cell guy, where Dr. E helps you live ageless. And now, here's your host, Dr. E. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Highway to Health Show. I am joined today by Dane Dormier and you know what? I'm just going to say hi and let him introduce himself. So Dane, welcome to the show. How are you today? Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. I'm doing great. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How do you get started in this journey? Well, for me, it started with martial arts when I was a kid. I was really into the Ninja Turtles. I basically wanted to be a Ninja Turtle. As a matter of fact, I still do, to be honest. And so when I was 10 years old, 
my parents signed me up for lessons at the local chain Taekwondo school. You know, it was the kind of place where I started at age 10, had a black belt at age 12, had a second degree black belt at age 14. And after that, I started to branch out into other types of martial arts. I studied Chinese martial arts, Japanese martial arts, Brazilian martial arts, all through college. So by the time I graduated from college, I'd been practicing different kinds of martial arts for about 12 years. And what they all had in common was that they were all external martial arts. And in the martial arts world, there's a distinction between external and internal martial arts. And external martial arts is what most people think of as martial arts. The emphasis is on physical fitness and calisthenics, jumping around, kicking high, doing backflips. The emphasis is on the effects you're creating on the outside of your body. When I graduated from college and went to graduate school, I was in a new town. I was looking for a new martial arts to do. And I came across a place called the Kung Fu Academy. I thought, that sounds cool. It sounds like maybe something new I haven't done before. And it turns out that this school taught internal martial arts, largely based in the Tai Chi classics. And internal martial arts, the emphasis is on the sensations you're feeling and what's going on inside your body. So it's slow movement, breathing, concentration, and paying attention to qualities like structure, equilibrium, fluidity, body unity, things like that. This was a big turning point in my life and in my martial arts career. And it was really the beginning of my mind-body mastery journey. But I need to back up a little bit to put that into some context because I grew up as a rational materialistic atheist in the Bible Belt okay, with no concept of spirituality or spiritual consciousness whatsoever. And I studied math and physics in college. I went to a small private liberal arts school where you have to study a little bit of everything. And the religion elective that I chose was Buddhism. And to me, it was just a bunch of cool old stories. I always enjoyed the Greek myths. I'd found and read the Panchatantra and the Tao Te Ching. And it was all just fascinating old stories, including the story about Prince Gautama sitting under the ficus tree and having the Satori, the awakening experience, and then standing up as the Buddha, the awakened one. And I didn't really think anything of it other than just cool old stories, neat intellectual exercises. And then I graduated from college and moved to San Diego for graduate school and started practicing internal martial arts. And I'd actually tried Tai Chi once in college and I found I didn't have the patience for it at the time. It didn't seem to do a lot for me. So if this place had been called the Tai Chi Academy, I probably wouldn't have gone. But what I found was that it was really appropriate for where I was in my development. And I got really into it. It was kind of addictive. I mean, when it, pretty much whenever the dojo was open, I was there every day, every class. And I would practice for hours on my own outside of class. And one evening, I was in my room practicing, as I often was, moving slowly, breathing, feeling sensation concentration, deep meditative state of awareness. And all of a sudden, there was an instant where everything was totally different. Everything in the universe changed. And yet, at the same time, everything was completely the same. <laughs> Nothing had changed at all. And what had actually changed was my fundamental perception of reality. 
And the first thought that went through my head when this happened was, oh, that's what that was. That's what they were talking about. And I, I thought back to the story of the Buddha and the Satori, the awakening experience. And it's kind of like if you had read about giraffes, but you'd never seen one. And then you go on safari and you see one and you recognize it from the description. And I recognize what this was. And then my second thought was, where did that come from? Because it was as if this profound experience that many people spend years and decades of their lives seeking and striving for had just fallen out of the sky and landed on my head. Like, who ordered that? You know, <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing, let alone, you know, like trying to achieve it or anything like that. It just happened. And I say this was a huge turning point in my life and in my martial arts career specifically, because one thing that happened, what, what I had found that when I started training this way, my martial arts became really, really effective, much more effective, like 10 times or more. And to put it bluntly, I'd been collecting all these neat tricks and tools and techniques, and I could do all kinds of stunts for the previous 12 years. But deep down, I couldn't fight my way out of a wet paper bag. And on some level, I knew it. And when I started to really pay attention to what was going on on the inside of my body and the sensations and breath and cultivate a deep state of meditative awareness, I found that I unlocked my ability to really understand and feel and control what was going on in my body and, and handle myself in a way that I never could before. And it was as if all the tools and tricks I'd been collecting, kind of like if someone is an aficionado for something and they buy all the fancy gear, but they don't develop the basic skills. And it was, that's kind of the position I was in. I had all these tools, but I didn't really know how to use them. And I suddenly developed the ability to actually use all the tools I'd been collecting. So it was sort of like it unlocked all of the martial arts I'd previously been learning in a way. It's actually very interesting what you're saying because you describe it as unlocking. And that's something that a lot of people who've been doing a lot of mindfulness, a lot of meditation, which is, you know, in a way kind of like what you discovered is that they get to this certain point where they suddenly feel like, oh, okay, so that's what I was looking for. And that's what you use this for. And they realize that they've had it in them all along, but they just couldn't access it for one reason or another. That's why people usually don't say, I developed, I found. They will usually say, I unlocked. It's kind of like it was always there and suddenly it was just, boom, it was out there and I could use it and I could exploit it. Yes, yeah. And there's a, a great analogy that I use to convey this idea, which is, Right now, can you see your nose? I can right now. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> okay, so it's kind of there in, in your peripheral vision a little bit when you look for it. But before I asked the question, were you seeing it? Not at all. Not even aware of it. Exactly. You weren't consciously aware of it. But then when I pointed it out to you, you saw it and you realized actually it was there all along. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good analogy. So that's very interesting because then it means that you know, for well over a decade, I mean, actually 15 years or more, you were doing all of these different martial arts and obviously progressing in the fields and getting all these black belts, but you're still describing it as though until you really tapped into this internal type of martial arts, you really didn't have a lot of, what was it, meaning, purpose, or I don't know what how would you describe it? I was just doing martial arts because it was fun. That was enough purpose for me, really. And 
it was the sort of thing I was never into exercise for the sake of exercise, but I could do martial arts all day. What I didn't have was just the internal awareness, the internal connections and the real sense of what was going on inside my body. My awareness was basically extremely outward focused. So there's two important pieces of the story at this point. One is I didn't really understand what happened to me or why it happened at the time. But in retrospect, I've kind of come to an understanding of what was going on. I was playing with fire and I didn't realize it at the time. And what I mean by that is internal martial arts are based on Qigong. And Qigong just means energy work, the simplest translation of it. It's one of the three primary branches of traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, herbology, and Qigong. And Qigong essentially consists of the three regulations, body regulation, breath regulation, mind regulation. So in other words, it's a combination of exercise, usually slow, gentle exercise, breath work, and meditation. And what most people think of as Tai Chi, Tai Chi being the most well-known internal martial art, that's essentially, you know, old people moving slowly in the park early in the morning. That's essentially what Qigong is. And all internal martial arts are forms of Qigong. There's three primary branches of Qigong, medical Qigong, martial Qigong, and spiritual Qigong. Medical Qigong, of course, for cultivating health, wellness, longevity, stress reduction, martial Qigong for inducing flow states and cultivating peak performance and spiritual qigong primarily focused on cultivating higher states of awareness but they're all based in the same three fundamental principles of body regulation breath regulation mind regulation slow gentle exercise breathing breath work and deep meditative state of awareness so Qigong is not only the oldest, or one of the oldest at least, flow state technologies, it's also the oldest or one of the oldest awakening practices. And I didn't have any idea about this at the time. I just was noticing, oh, I, I, can, I can do martial arts a lot better. And you know, I was looking to hit somebody hard enough that they would fall down and not get up. <laughs> and so I didn't really understand what I was playing with at the time. It turned out, though, that this awakening experience was only the beginning of my problems in life. I see. There's a sense, uh, a common understanding that enlightenment means perfection, and it really does not. It means an opening of a portal of perception. And something that I've come to learn about in the intervening years is the concept of spiritual emergency, which is, it comes from Stan Groff, the grandfather of transpersonal psychology and the developer of holotropic breathwork. And it's essentially when someone has a spontaneous spiritual awakening experience, their portal of perception just spontaneously opens very wide and they're not prepared for it. They weren't seeking it. Sometimes they don't know how to handle it. It may manifest as an episode of mental illness. They may be hospitalized or institutionalized or diagnosed. They may be put on medications when what they really need is a guide, a spiritual guide who's able to understand what's happening to them and help them put it into context and integrate it and come through it in a more whole and expansive way. At the time for me, 
it was a very euphoric experience and largely positive. It was actually the peak state, which lasted for about three months. There's the instantaneous awakening, which is instantaneous. There's a peak state, which is always transient. And then there's the residual awareness, which can never go away. And the peak state for me lasted for three months, which is a pretty good run. And it was a lot like in that movie Limitless, where there's a little pill you take that unlocks the other 95% of your brain and gives you access yeah, to yeah. potential. It was like that, except there was no little pill involved and it was on all the time. So for me, it was a very euphoric experience. And also I was in graduate school in physics, so I could get away with a lot of odd behavior. What ended up happening after that was following that experience, I dropped out of graduate school, moved to Houston to make a million dollars in the real estate business with an old college friend, ended up getting involved with a scam artist. This was in 2007 to eight in the months leading up to this little thing called the subprime mortgage crisis. Ended up accumulating over a million dollars in mortgages that eventually foreclosed all within nine months and eventually ended up moving back to San Diego and being homeless for about five years. Oh. So it's been a long and winding journey, but the fundamental principles of internal awareness and specifically Qigong in the sense of body regulation, breath regulation, mind regulation has allowed me to come into a deeper understanding of life and what it's about, as well as how the mind-body energy system of the human being functions. That's actually something that just caught my attention quite a bit, is you discovered this whole thing. And I'd be curious to know, you know, after going through these obviously not very fortunate times, because we all make bad decisions at one point or another in our lives, right? Obviously, we're very thankful that we don't all end up being homeless for so many years. But in your particular case, that you did go down that route and that you did have, you know, you went homeless for five years, like you just described. How did you find this discovery, this new set of skills that you have? How did that serve you during that time? Or did it not? Or how was your experience based on the fact that you had this new awareness? Well, one of the central lessons of my life has been the importance of self-care. We all have to learn our own lessons in our own ways, but this, I believe, is a very important lesson for all of us. And what I've, I mean, a big thing that's come for me out of my experience has been a, a very clear and strong sense of purpose for my life. And I've realized that you know, if I'm not taking care of myself, I can't function. And that goes for all human beings. And it's a matter of degree, of course. But a big part of my mission on this planet now is to help spread the practice of Qigong, to help more people on this planet establish for themselves a personal, daily, mind-body mastery, energetic hygiene practice. Because I believe that this is something that we all need just like we need sufficient sleep and we need vitamins and minerals, micronutrients. And if you're not getting these things or if you're not getting enough of them, you won't die right away necessarily, but your health will suffer. Your physical and mental health will suffer. Everything in your life is based on that, of course. So your relationships will suffer. Your finances will suffer. Your career will suffer. At the very least, you won't be living up to your potential as a human being on this planet. 
For sure. I think that you just put it very, very succinctly by calling it energy hygiene, because it is, I have to agree with you. Everything else that you've shared right now are things that I normally emphasize. And we touch upon a lot here on the podcast about taking good care of your mind, taking good care, you know, doing, having a regular mindfulness practice, doing some physical activity, eating well, avoiding certain toxins. And that's part of the reason why I was so interested in having you come on the show, because a lot of the times these are things that we don't always recognize. But in my background as, you know, trained as in, in age management, one of the things that you look at when you're studying and you're looking at longevity of, of certain people, you see that it is incredibly more common. It's a lot more common to see people living longer in Asian cultures that do perform some of these activities. They do have a Tai Chi practice and, you know, they're in their eighties, nineties, and they're still doing it. So there has got to be something about it that is helping them stay active and especially cognitively. You see that these people don't have dementias as much as we have over here. You see that these people don't have this deterioration of the cognitive system and the cognitive behavior that we go through. So is this something that you've discovered recently or in these last few years that you've been doing it? Well, it's not at all uncommon if you're in the Tai Chi world or, you know, in Qigong and internal martial arts and that sort of thing, that for one thing, it's a practice that you can continually progress and develop and advance at for however long you live. One of my teachers was a guy in his 70s when I met him, and he had actually had half his intestines and other innards removed due to colon cancer, and he wore a colostomy bag around under his shirt all the time. But the first time I pushed hands with him, which is the two-person version of Tai Chi, there's the solo exercises and then there's the partner exercises. And the legendary Tai Chi masters, they were famed not for their great power and their strengths. Of course, they were very powerful. But what people spoke of most was their amazing sensitivity. They were incredibly sensitive. And the saying is steel wrapped in silk or wrapped in cotton. It's like it feels very soft on the surface, but underneath it's extremely powerful. And he was basically able to just move me all around the room, just barely touching me, just the lightest, lightest touches, but he was able to move me around almost like a puppet on strings. And so there definitely is something to this because, and particularly with the cognitive decline, as you mentioned, because it's all connected, of course, the body, mind, energy system is all one thing. There is not a a mind-body link or connection is a mind-body identity. It's two aspects of the same thing. And so in terms of my purpose, and the reason that I, I say everybody needs this, and I call it, I love that you love that, the personal energetic hygiene practice, because this is something that we all need. And a lot of people are catching on to this. A lot of people are shooting on themselves. To be honest, a lot of people are shooting on themselves like, oh, you know, I should exercise. I know it's good for me. It's good. They know it's everybody knows by now exercise is good for you for health, wellness, longevity, for stress reduction, for mental health, for immune function. And they're just not doing it. They're shooting on themselves. Oh, I really should. I ought to, you know, I will. I want those benefits. I want to feel good. And likewise, for a long time now, Plenty of people, if you haven't been living under a rock for the last 40 years, you know that meditation is good for you. I really should do that, you know, for all the same reasons, health, wellness, longevity, stress reduction, concentration, focus, 
emotional well-being and they just haven't started it yet because of you know they haven't gotten around to it or, or they don't know where to start or whatever reason and breathwork similarly has been coming on to the scene it hasn't as much percolated into the the mainstream consciousness yet but the people on on the leading edge are are you know things like the Wim Hof method are becoming really popular Wim Hof I was just going to say yeah my brother just sent me uh I didn't realize I knew about Wim obviously I knew about his trainings but I didn't realize that he's got an app and that there are a, a bunch of the exercises there for free you just need to download the app and follow them and it's amazing the change and I think part of the problem, I don't know if you agree with me on this because you've been training with people and, and I know that you've been helping people in this regard for a while. I think that the big challenge that these disciplines face is that they're simple. And people think that because they're simple, then there shouldn't be much to it. Like, oh, well, I mean, what, what can there be to meditation, right? What can there be to breathing? I breathe every day, all day, right? So... Is that something that you notice people stumble upon a lot and that is not serving as well, that mentality? Well, I would say I've seen that it's, it's definitely the sort of thing people take for granted, especially when it comes to breathing, because like you said, it's something we all do every day, all the time. You know, what is it? How could you, you know, what do you need to learn about breathing? But breathing actually is a skill. It is a, is a skill that you can develop. And it's one of the most powerful tools for cultivating health and wellness, for physical fitness, for spiritual development and always has been to those who are in the know, you know. And so yeah, the idea of breath work as, you know, something that you can learn how to breathe better, you can learn how to use your breath as a tool for regulating the state of your body and mind. But in general, what I observe is that people know they ought to be doing this stuff, you know. <laughs> they think, you know, I really want to start doing that and they're just not. And so this is why it's a big part of my mission on this planet to facilitate this and, and get more people doing this. And the reason that I consider Qigong to be the ideal, complete mind-body practice, and the reason that I recommend it for everybody, although the marketing gurus all say, you're not supposed to say it's for everybody because then it's for nobody, but it really is because it combines the three components of, of mind-body practice, I refer to them sometimes as move, breathe, contemplate. In some form, you know, there's lots of ways to do these things. There's lots of ways to exercise. There's lots of ways to meditate. There's lots of different types of breath work. But Qigong combines all three of these into a single activity, all rolled into one, increasing, giving you the, the synergistic benefits of all three at once. And it can be condensed. Actually, I created a practice I call your daily dose of Qigong. That's just 15 to 20 minutes, like taking a pill every day. And for people who are challenged with exercise, Qigong is very easy, gentle exercise. It's something anybody can do, regardless of your age or your physical condition, even if you are in a wheelchair or if you have to sit down or even lying down. There are things you can do with breathing and with concentration and with whatever movement your body is capable of. Or even like most of the world right now that we are in quarantine and have to stay at home, right? Right. As long as you have a three foot by three foot space, you can stand, then this is accessible to you. So Qigong makes it very easy to exercise. And anybody, you know, if you're not exercising, if you are currently sedentary, if you're not moving intentionally on a daily basis, this is a great place to start. And if you're not meditating, if you don't have a meditative practice of some kind, one challenge a lot of people have with meditation is sitting still. 
you know, it's hard to sit still. Well, the great news with Qigong is you don't have to sit still to meditate. You can meditate while moving. And so, and the way it works is it just brings the body into harmony. So whatever natural healing capacity is there is facilitated. It's like when the tide comes in, all the boats rise. And so in terms of health, wellness, longevity, in terms of rehabilitating old or chronic injuries or recovering from sickness, Qigong is great. Also, if you're already in great health, if you're a high-performance athlete or a CEO or entrepreneur or, or leading some kind of high-performance, high-stress lifestyle like that, Qigong is one of the oldest and most powerful and most readily accessible flow state technologies for human performance optimization. So I recommend everybody, if you don't already have this or something like this in your life, this is a great place to start. And a lot of my work is around this. I I want it to be like brushing your teeth. And if you can imagine, there actually was a time before people brushed their teeth. You know, it couldn't have always been that way. And it was actually an early 20th century industrialist who wanted to sell toothpaste, who started a marketing campaign and like, hey, you notice if you scratch your teeth, there's that sticky, gross film on there. Do you notice? Isn't that gross? wouldn't you like to have a minty fresh mouth? Here you go, use this. And then you brush. There's the cue in terms of habit formation. There's the cue. Oh yeah, there's a sticky film on my teeth that people never noticed before because it was just always there. And then you brush, that's the action. And then the reward is the minty fresh feeling in your mouth. So I think it's a good thing that people brush their teeth now. And I hope and expect and work towards seeing a similar kind of transformation where people realize, oh, hey, you know, I'm feeling stagnant and sluggish and maybe my emotions are out of whack and I'm feeling out of touch with my motivation. What can I do about that? Oh, here's Qigong. I can do this for 15 to 20 minutes, slow, gentle movement, breathing, concentration. And hey, I feel great. And you do that every day, just like brushing your teeth or taking a bath. and and so a lot of the work I do is just facilitating that because I believe that I want to live in that world where more people are doing this, more people are taking care of themselves in this way, more people are improving their health, their wellness, their longevity, reducing their stress, accessing their highest states of performance and creativity in the world. It's funny that you put it that way because I spoke uh, a couple of months ago, actually, with uh, Ariel Garten, and she is the founder of this meditation device called Muse, and it teaches people how to meditate because you're very well right. When people start meditating, there's two things that hold them back. One is, you know, staying still, and the second is, am I doing it right? So this device helps them figure out if they're doing it right with some feedback, and it's basically just newer feedback training. So she said something very similar as to, you know what, I want people to meditate more because that's the kind of world that I want to live in. It would be a much better world. I also spoke several months ago with uh, Dr. Udo Erasmus from uh, Udo's Oil, and he mentioned something in one of his concepts called the thirst of the heart, where he talks about world peace and about kindness. And he says, I do this and I spend so much time in this because I want to live in a world where more people live with kindness, where more people enjoy peace and recognize it and you know feel fulfilled with themselves. So the fact that you're saying that, it totally resonates and makes total sense. Now, let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about you know, you mentioned something about flow state. You mentioned something about high performance CEOs and people leading a team, but pretty much everyone who's listening to us right now, they also are leaders in something that 
arguably is even more important than leading their team. And it is leading their families because, you know, if you're a dad, if you're a mom and you've got kids that look up to you, even though you think they ignore you, they do look up to you and they do end up imitating you. So how can something like this benefit them and the way that they're presenting an example, setting an example for their children? (laughs) Yeah, that is a really great question. And I'm sure all parents understand this. It's two-pronged. It's, you know, you have to put on your own oxygen mask first. You have to be resourced yourself in order to be a resource. You have to preserve your own physical, mental, emotional well-being in order to be an effective leader in that regard, in order to create the environment and be the kind of parent that all parents aspire to be. And it's also about setting the example because, just like you said, parents influence their children whether they want to or not. There's no way around it. You can't help it. You can't stop it. It's just they're little sponges. You know, they absorb whatever. And one of the most important examples that a parent can set is the example of good self-care. And there's a redeeming quality of human beings, which is that the rebellious nature of youth. And from my experience, when I was a kid, my mother, who was a nurse, she was actually uh, an RN and a supervised home health workers for elderly people. And she knew all this stuff. You know, she knew about how to be healthy. She knew all the information, but she smoked cigarettes from before I was born until, I don't know, maybe she's Maybe she never will again. I don't until she got breast cancer. That was when she, you know, quit smoking. And because she was a nurse and, you know, she would tell us, I knew this is bad for you, but she still did it. And that had a really powerful psychological impact on me. I mean, one way I could have gone is I could have started smoking, which I didn't because I was more of a nonconformist and kind of went the opposite direction. Uh, But it still had it still created stress for me. It made me worry about her. And it was obviously a very deep contradiction to live with. And so I can say from experience that knowing what to do is not enough. Do as I say, not as I do doesn't work. And it's not only setting the example of self-care, of lifestyle practices that are conducive to health, wellness, longevity, but also being consistent and congruent and setting the example, leading the way, being the leader by going first, it will have an impact. It will have an impression and maybe it won't surface until later. You know, maybe, maybe if you're healthy, your kids will rebel by being unhealthy when they're young, but (laughs) eventually life will catch up with them and they'll, and that will be there. It will eventually come to them and it will have a positive effect. So the more, of a positive example you set of someone who takes care of their physical, mental, emotional health, someone who gets regular exercise, regular meditation, regular breathwork practice, who has the discipline to maintain a personal daily practice like this is one of the greatest gifts that I think you can give your children. That's amazing. And how, well how can people get started? That are around for as long as possible. Well, that's that's always a, a very nice thing to have, uh, you know, when your parents are around. Grandchildren and your great grandchildren, you know. You know, we're actually very lucky now that you mentioned that we have a two-year-old toddler, and we moved over here to Spain, where my wife is from. 
a couple of months ago so that he could spend some time with her family and her grandma is still alive. So that's a great thing. And that's a great experience for everyone involved. It's, it's really it's really nice. I, I lost all of my grandparents when I was very young and being able to see my son that has all four of his grandparents and one of his great grandparents still around and how they enjoy each other is great. So being able to give that gift to your children and to your children's children, it's it's probably a really, really good thing. Now, let's get a little bit more practical. How do people get started with this? Like the people that you start working with, I'm assuming that they're not kind of like halfway through or they're already into it. These are people who have never done any of these practices, correct? Well, I'm very passionate about reaching people who have little or no exposure to this kind of thing. The people who are in that place, because it's a big reason that people don't get started is even if they know about this, even if they are shooting on themselves, it's like, where do I start? How do I start? You know, it's, it's a big world out there. I've got a busy schedule that, you know, that's kind of the problem in the first place. And I created something to solve this exact problem. It's called your daily dose of Qigong. And specifically what I created is a free and open to the public group on Facebook. It's called the seven day Qigong non-challenge <laughs> because it's designed to be so easy. There can be no excuse not to do it. And the way that works is anybody can look it up on Facebook and join. Well, we're actually, for those of you listening, I'll make sure to grab that link and it's going to be right down in this episode's description. So just scroll down to the description of your podcast app or on YouTube, wherever you're watching this and just tap on the link and go there directly. Yeah, right. We'll definitely include the link and anybody who wants to can join. There are a series of seven videos that are designed to just watch and follow along. They're 15 to 20 minutes, gentle, easy exercise. There's no previous experience required. There's nothing to memorize. You just watch and follow along with one video per day for seven days. Even if you skip a day or two, it's fine. And my bet is that after seven days, it'll feel so good, you'll be hooked and you won't want to stop. And there's actually a complete series of 90 days of Qigong, and the videos are on YouTube for anybody who wants to follow along past the initial seven days. And this is designed to be like training wheels. You can go for the whole 90 days or as long as you feel like you need or want to until you're ready to start doing it on your own. And for those who want to go even deeper with the practice, we have an online learning community that you can join for interaction and support. We have live group classes and we provide one-on-one guidance and feedback for your personal mind-body mastery journey. Even if you whether you just want to become an expert at this for yourself or whether you're interested in teaching others, we're there to support you along your journey. And it's a journey towards self-sufficiency. That's where we are trying to move people to. So whether you just start doing the practice and you make it your own and then you keep doing it. I had a friend who started, he went through the 90 days and then he kept messaging me, hey, I'm, I'm still doing it four months later, five months later, six months later, nine months later. He's probably still doing it as far as I know. And that's great. And we love hearing the stories that people experience. Anybody who's been in this world, who's been around Qigong has heard the stories that you know people say, you know, I had this forever and I, I thought it would never go away. And I started doing this and it went away. <laughs> and you know, I can't promise that whatever your condition is will be healed by this. But I can say that I've seen these kinds of things be healed based on the principle that 
when the tide comes in, all the boats rise. When your body is functioning in harmony with its natural design, whatever the healing power of Qigong is your body's natural healing ability. So anything that can be healed and it can be overcome potentially will be. And that's actually the basis of what we do with regenerative medicine. Uh, people think that stem cells cure things and they don't. Stem cells facilitate healing from the body. So that's why I've always been so big on mindfulness and your emotional state and taking good care of yourself in general, not just of getting access to the best treatments, but to be taking good care of yourself. And that's exactly what this sounds like. If you're setting the groundwork at a cognitive, at a mental, emotional level, then your body will be able to heal better. You know, as we look at a pandemic right now, we're seeing that people who get the worst outcomes are the people who have underlying disorders. And underlying disorders is not just diabetes and high blood pressure like we think. It's also mental disorders. It's also emotional disorders. People stressed, they end up, you know, in the hospital requiring ventilators and having all these different issues with what should be a simple virus. So it's really good that you bring it up. And I could not agree more with you on that regard. The mind is more powerful than any medicine. And, you know, even if you have the best medical treatment, to put it bluntly, you could have the best medical treatment and still go jump off a bridge. Exactly. Exactly. The mind and the body are one thing. The body is not a mechanical mechanism. It's an organic whole. And the mind is what directs the healing ability of the body. For sure. So Dane, thank you so much. This has been a really, really good conversation. I do want to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing. I think it takes enormous, enormous courage to recognize what your mission is and really focus so much on it that you're teaching people these things. Because like you very well said, and I agree with you, I would like a world where more people are having good energy hygiene practices regularly because it can only benefit all of us. So thank you so much for doing that. You're welcome. I appreciate the work that you're doing also, Dr. E, and I am glad we're on the same team and that we can collaborate to help lift all of us up together. Absolutely. Now, where can people find out more about you? You mentioned your Facebook group, which we're linking in the show notes, but do you have a website or social media? Where can people go and connect with you? Yeah, the Facebook group is always right to tell people to go if you want to start doing this. I'm also on Facebook. I love to connect with people and make new friends. So my personal profile, Dane Dormio, is a good place to connect. You can find our online learning community at our website, chaititaichi.org or .com is our website. And that links to our online learning community. If you just want to go right there and check out what that's about. We actually have a quarantine special for however long the quarantine is in place. Our premium membership, which is normally $100, it's only $50 and that will be a lifetime rate that will be locked in. If you join while the quarantine is in place, it'll be only $50 a month. And you can use the coupon code peace, love, chi. It's peace, love, and QI to get your first month free. And so I want to eliminate any barriers. I want to make this as easy as possible for people to just try this out. See if you like it. If you do, we're here to support you however far, however deep you want to go with this practice. So I'll be sure to provide you with all of that information so you can include it in the notes. And I'm looking forward to meeting you if this resonates with you, if you'd like to learn more, if you'd like to connect, if this message reaches even one person and helps them make a positive change in their life, even if I never hear about it, I'll consider it to have been worthwhile. 
Absolutely. I Well, that's a very generous offer. Thank you so much. And I'll make sure to link to all that you just heard. I mean, there is no excuse to get started. This is, you know, what I was just thinking about it right now that you were sharing this. And I was thinking, how young can a child begin? And I figured, you know what, I'll just give it a shot and then see if, you know, we've got a two and a half year old. I'll see if he follows along. And if he does, it's a great thing to do together at home right now. You know, you're stuck at home. You've got your kids over there. So it's a great activity that you can probably do together, learn together and improve your lives together. So thank you again for that very generous offer for everyone listening. Thank you so much once again for tuning in. Remember that all the links are down in the description. You just need to scroll down there and tap on the one that you like the most. Dane, thank you so much for stopping by. Final question, did you have a good time here on the Highway to Health Show? Absolutely. I love talking about this stuff and I really appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for stopping by. For everyone listening, we'll see you here next week. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Dr. E's Highway to Health Show, helping you learn the science of living ageless. Did you enjoy the show? Please like, share, and subscribe where you listen to podcasts. Dr. E wants to hear from you. Go to dre.show. Again, that's dre.show. Until next time, this is Dr. E's Highway to Health, helping you live ageless. So there you have it. That was my conversation with Dane Dormio. I hope you enjoyed it and got a few good reasons to try Tai Chi. What was your favorite takeaway? Tag me on Instagram or connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think. By the way, remember that you can find the links to everything we discussed in this episode in the show notes. Just scroll down to this episode's description on your podcast app and tap on the appropriate link. Speaking of links, remember to check out podcastinbox.co for all your podcasting needs. If you're a busy entrepreneur looking to grow a personal brand and instill trust in your clients, there is no better way to do it than with a podcast. To learn how the team at Podcast in a Box can help you do just that, simply head on over to podcastinbox.co and find out more. Oh, and if you already have a podcast but find it hard and time-consuming to keep up, they can help with that as well. Seriously, they're amazing. Just head on over to podcastinbox.co and let them know that Dr. E sent you. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You've been listening to Dane Dormy and Dr. E talk about Tai Chi and mind-body mastery. Thank you for tuning in. I'll see you here next week. And remember, you are on the highway to health and I'm your guide to get you there.